This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as found in the Tenth Commandment. Also we'll read together the Confession of the Church concerning this commandment, which we just as we sang the, the contents of that in hymn 11. The Confession of the Church is found in Lord's Day 44. That's page 558 in the Book of Praise. Here the church confesses, what does the tenth commandment require of us? That not even the slightest thought or desire, contrary to any of God's commandments, should ever arise in our hearts. Rather, with all our hearts, we should always hate all sin and delight in all righteousness. But can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? No. In this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. Nevertheless, with earnest purpose, they do begin to live not only according to some, but to all the commandments of God. If in this life no one can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God have them preached so strictly? First, so that throughout our life we may more and more become aware of our sinful nature and therefore seek more eagerly the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. Second, so that while praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, we may never stop striving to be renewed more and more after God's image until after this life we reach the goal of perfection. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, tells us that the one who called you is holy. The Lord who called us to himself is holy. We're reminded of the visions of Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4 where the heavenly beings bowed or covered their faces and they cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The commandments show us that God is holy for they reveal that God is completely separated from us. He is transcendent. He is the creator of everything. He is above all things. He's outside of time. He's eternal. We have the commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an, a graven image. You shall not misuse my name. But the Ten Commandments also show that God is holy in his close covenant relationship with creation, his imminence. Unlike the pagan religions of the day where priests were only concerned with outward ritual obedience and neither God nor worshiper was actually expected to, to live moral purity, our holy God brings his holiness right into our day-to-day -day lives. The commandments that reveal God's holiness, they talk about relationships to people in authority. It speaks of our view 
of other people, about sexual purity, about work, about generosity, about honesty. God shows that he is concerned about the moral purity of the creatures that he formed. We read it as, He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. In the Ten Commandments, they explain to us what holiness looks like. They bring obedience to God's laws right into our our very hearts and our desires. And the Tenth Commandment especially brings that right to our desires. What is it you want? It speaks of coveting. Well, think of your own life. What are, if you made a list of the top ten desires, what, what would that list look like? And then in that list, what would you desire above everything else? What is it you're really pursuing in your lives. Now imagine you are standing in the presence of the most holy God like Isaiah experienced in that vision of Isaiah chapter 6. Now, what would be your greatest desire standing in the presence of the holy God? It would be the desire to be forgiven and perfectly righteous, wouldn't it? It would be the, the longing for that burning coal that the seraph placed on Isaiah's lips, right? This is the desire that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts as he, as he opens our eyes to see who God is and who we are. And the Holy Spirit leads us in this desire and in this obedience to the Tenth Commandment, I preach you this gospel that those who take refuge in the Holy God may delight in all righteousness. And this righteousness is found only in Christ, and it's a righteousness that we fight for in our lives. While our confession uses the most inclusive words possible, I tried to emphasize all the alls and everys and always in our confession as, as I was reading it to show that the Tenth Commandment reveals that anyone who wants to live forever before the Holy God must be perfectly righteous. In Psalm 5, verses 4 to 6, it describes this clearly in revealing the Lord. It says about the Lord, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. You hate all evildoers. You, you destroy those who speak lies and bloodthirsty men, and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. In Psalm 15, that was displayed on, on the wall as you were walking in again this afternoon. And Psalm 24, that we sang together at the, the beginning of this worship service and the pre-service song, they make it clear that only those who have clean hands and a pure heart and who do not lift up their souls to what is false, only those may stand in his holy place. Perfect righteousness means not only being perfectly content with God so that rather than covet anything outside of God, we, we hate and we flee all the temptations to sin, but it is also a desire to be 
holy as God is holy, to delight in all righteousness in every part of our lives. Romans, in Romans, the Holy Spirit tells us what we confess in question and answer 114, that such perfect righteousness that we are longing for, that we're desiring, it's not attainable, not even by the holiest among us. In Romans 7, we read a part of that this morning. Even Paul had to say that although the Holy Spirit had changed his heart so that he began to desire to do some godly things, even so his sinful nature still prevailed. And he says at one point, it's verse 15 to 19, he does not have the ability to carry out the desires, the new desires he has in his heart. Any true Christian changed by the Holy Spirit, delights in the law of God in his inner being. When we sing and we read Psalm 119, we, we give it a resounding amen. But the flesh, the body, the mind, the soul, affected by the, that fall into sin, it distorts, it, it hinders, it, it twists us so that there's a battlefield right inside us. We see the holy God with the eyes of faith. We are led by the Spirit so that indeed fruits of faith can be seen in our lives. And yet we must confess that we do not fully hate all sin. And even our attempts at righteousness are, are marred by the weakness of our flesh. The core of purity is given to us by God, and yet it's made impure by our conduct. The spring of life in Jesus Christ is poisoned by the sinful nature where sin lives. And the result is that we are not righteous, and when we, we prepare ourselves for Lord's Supper, we say that together, we do not have that zeal, such zeal as we should have. We do not have perfect faith and we sometimes, through weakness, fall into sins, and, and that's who we are. The tenth, tenth Commandment, it, it reminds us of that, and we confess that together. We also find we cannot attain perfect righteousness in our own strength. And sometimes we think we can arrive at the point of being mature Christians that don't need so much help. Sometimes others will even say that you can be as holy, holy as God is holy by just doing more, reading the Bible more, praying more, more devotions, more commitment. And although it is true that serious focus on God's word and self-control in the Christian life is able to bring us deeper into the realm of the gospel message and is able to bring us close to God. That only helps us to see how much we need God's grace. It's like that saying, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. We could say the closer we get to God as we're in, in we're, we're uh, in, in his word and we're praying, the closer we get to the holy God, the more we realize how unholy 
how sinful our human nature is. Our Lord Jesus says, even if you did everything right, it's in Luke 17, that wouldn't even earn a reward. You'd just break even, just doing what you're supposed to. And we confess that in this life, no one can keep the commandments perfectly. And so when the commandments are preached and we see them as, as they come into our lives like a light and darkness, like we sang in Psalm 119 this, this, this morning, then we become more and more aware of our sinful nature that drives us to find righteousness outside of ourselves. So as we read these passages that convict us of who we are, we find that none of the scripture passages that you read that emphasize the holiness of God and the unrighteousness of, of men, their inability to be righteous, none of these passages end with the conclusion that all God's creatures will always remain separated from him. God says more. In Psalm 5, verse 7, the very first part says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. You see how, how God's word, his spirit, lifts our eyes up to God, to his love. Romans 7, verse 25 explains how God shows his love to us when it gives praise to God through Jesus Christ, who delivers the sinner from the body of death. The gospel message for the sinner who is convicted of his sins by the Ten Commandments, which include the very desires of our heart, we see in the Tenth Commandment. It's declared very clearly in that passage we read in Romans 3, verse 21, the motto for our lives. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That makes us realize the blessing of the gospel. Psalm 5 verse 8 has the same explanation when the church prays, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. And so God's people come into the presence of God with, with empty hands and, and we throw himself, ourselves on him into his arms. And he tells us that his righteousness can save us from death. And when the converted rejoice, when they delight in all righteousness, they are rejoicing in God's revelation of his perfect love the perfect love that he created us to live in. They are rejoicing in Christ's perfect fulfillment of the entire law of God. You see, brothers and sisters, we rejoice in Christ's righteousness. That's why we love to run to the Gospels, to, to read, to see exactly what he did, to, to hear how Paul explains Christ has done everything. He obeyed the law perfectly for us and in our place. How God sees Christ is how he sees everyone who believes in Christ. In Christ, 
we find our righteousness. Christ, we see how God sees everyone who believes in him. And so we see it's done. Jesus said it's, it's finished. There's nothing left for us to do in order to be saved. And for those who struggle, lifetime struggle to try be righteous enough, that is the most comforting statement. But God in his grace has done everything. And part of that everything is giving you the Holy Spirit. Giving you the Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts. Giving you the Holy Spirit who constantly is fighting that sinful nature within us. And so we are fighting for righteousness in our lives. It's very striking that Paul, who knows the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, he dedicated his life to the proclamation of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, who knows the victory of Christ even in his own life. Paul never teaches us to stop thinking about God's laws. He never says, you know what, it's okay, it's all done, now you can keep on sinning so that grace may abound. And then we realize that our striving to live according to the law is not so that God might love us and receive us as his children, but we strive to live by the Ten Commandments because God has already brought us into his spiritual family by grace. We do not strive, we do not fight so that we can obtain righteousness. We already have righteousness, Christ's righteousness. We fight, the Spirit is leading us in that battle against the sinful nature so that we can fully enjoy and embrace all that we have, all that Christ has obtained for us by his work. That's why the Ten Commandments are preached so strictly. That's why the Ten Commandments are a major part of our lives, a major part of the family visits in our homes. That's why all God's people, we confess, with earnest purpose, do begin to live, not only according to some, but to all the commandments of God. That's the Holy Spirit in his work. So even as I declare to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ the simple message that you are saved, Romans 10, verses 9 to 10, uh, 9 to 10 I must also declare that you have the Holy Spirit in your hearts, and he is leading you in the new life through the Ten Commandments. The finished work of Jesus Christ is is on the cross is followed by the ongoing work of Christ's renewing spirit in our hearts. And this is necessary because ever since the fall into sin, as we saw in the first point, we're constantly struggling against a sinful nature, a sinful nature that makes us susceptible to the devil's attacks, to the temptations of the world. We have not been fully renewed after God's image yet, we will not reach the goal of perfection, we confess, until after this life, after we have faced the last enemy, which is death. 
And you can tell that God dwells in your heart by your desire to live according to the commandments. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we fight to seek to live according to God's word. And God's help in this, this leading that the, that the Lord gives to us, that's a manifestation, a revelation of his love for you. Those who find refuge in the Lord, those who find grace and the abundance of his steadfast love, like we read in Psalm 5, were brought into a life of rejoicing and singing. You can see that in the end of Psalm 5, verse 11. And in that context, we see how wicked coveting is. Coveting anything outside of God's word. Coveting anything outside of God's promises, it only brings discontentment and dissatisfaction and harm to yourselves and to others. Although the devil does not want us to enjoy the victory of Jesus Christ and fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit is, a, is in constant conflict with our sinful nature. That's Galatians 5, verses 16 to 17. Although we cannot pay for the sins we have committed, although we cannot earn our way into God's holy presence by our righteousness, we have Christ's righteousness and his spirit who leads us into that peace. So what does that look like? Well, the Ten Commandments touch on very day-to-day -day things in your lives. God's holiness is evident in the things you see every day. It's not something we just talk about in church. We see the evidence of the Spirit working in our marriages. We see the evidence of the Spirit working in our conversations, in our work, in our priorities, in this life focused on God's kingdom. And as we see him working in all these down-to-earth, regular, day-to-day -day things, then we will also truly enjoy the fullness of all that Christ has obtained for us. So the Holy Spirit is leading us into that blessing of Psalm 5, verse 12. The Lord will bless the righteous. God delights in those who delight in the righteousness of Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps us strive for this peace. So when the Ten Commandments are read in church, and every Sunday again we hear Ten Commandments, we are lifted up to see who our God is. We are reminded that our holy God created the world and everything in it so that we could live together in harmony with him and with our neighbor. And the Ten Commandments are like that, that bright light, the, the glory of God that shines in our midst but also exposes what lives in our hearts like, like an x-ray reminds us we can't do it in our own strength. Even if we can keep some of the outward actions, our desires are not right. But the Ten Commandments, and as we hear them, and as we're 
convicted of our own sin and weakness, we also hear the Ten Commandments as a declaration of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's like a list of everything that he did for us and in our place. He is perfectly righteous. He is our righteousness. He has given us his spirit to, to renew our hearts, to lead us into this righteousness. And so when we hear the Ten Commandments read in church, we can also hear them as a declaration of all that the Holy Spirit is working into our hearts. The holiness of the Father, the perfect work of the Son, Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So the Spirit leads us to mourn, to mourn over our own sinfulness, the fall into sin. The Holy Spirit leads us to, to desire that every barrier that separates us from God be removed. He leads us to repentance so that we might be forgiven in Jesus Christ. And he works these commandments into our hearts so that we know what to do. How to live well. In the family visits, although the elders know that you are members of Christ's church, you have been saved by grace alone, they may still ask you if you are delighting in Christ's righteousness. That, that question, with that question, as they, as they help you look at your lives and, and the struggles and, and the down-to-earth, day-to-day questions of marriage and conversations and, and work. They're asking whether the gospel of Jesus Christ fills your hearts and your day-to-day -day lives with, with joy. If it's something that you love, something that you, you are growing in. The Lord Jesus uses these, these pastors to, to also point you to your privileges, to highlight for you God's grace to give you hope in difficult times to allow you to feel the nearness of our Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. When we take refuge in God, when we receive Christ's righteousness as our own by true faith, as Paul emphasized many times, we may also delight in the righteousness that the Holy Spirit leads us into. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1 is talking about, verses 13 to 25. The Holy Spirit reminds us that God's holiness is evident in the world through the obedience to God's law seen among God's people. Obedient children, says the Holy Spirit, are not conformed to the passions of their former ignorance, that's 1 Peter 1, verse 14, but they are holy in all their conduct, verse 15. They are those who have been ransomed from the futile ways done long ago. This is the righteousness that we may delight in. May the Spirit give you rest for your souls in Christ's righteousness. Amen.